We're in a series called The Winning Hand, and throughout this series, if you haven't been here the last several weeks, we've been looking at how to have a winning hand in 2008, how to have a successful God-honoring life in 2008. I started off this series by asking, how many of you want to have a great 2008? How many of you want to have a winning hand? And almost every hand went up in the building. And, and the only way for you to have a winning hand in 2008 is by looking to God's Word, the owner's manual, the, the, the manual that d- directs our life and gleaning principles from God's Word that we can apply. So we're going to look at God's Word again today and how to have a winning hand in 08. In every game of high-stakes poker, there comes a defining moment that separates the winners from the losers. And that moment is when a player says two words, two words, all in, all in. And all in simply means that, that this person is risking everything on one hand. And they believe they have the best hand on the table. And, and here's how it transpired. They, they push all their chips in the middle of the table. They, they turn their cards over and they stand up and say, all in. And they're risking everything on one hand. They either win it all with that one hand or they lose everything with that one hand. And the interesting thing is, whoever ends up winning that game, at some moment, at some calculated time, the winner will be the person who risks it all, who goes all in. And friends, can I tell you, as, as people of Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, God has called you and I to go all in. God's called us to be people of faith. God's called us to be people who will risk it all to advance God's kingdom. Listen, God's never called us to play it safe. There are a lot of Christians who play it safe. There are a lot of churches who play it safe. But God has called you and I to go all in. And listen to this. Don't miss this. Playing it safe is risky. Playing it safe is risky. Let me give you an example that we're going to unpack today in this message. The children of Israel, God brought them out of Egypt into the desert. And God's plan for them was to take them into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. But you know what happened to the children of Israel? We're going to look at this today. They made the decision to play it safe. They made the decision not to risk it all. They made the decision not to follow the leading of God. And you know what happened to them? Playing it safe was risky. And the Bible records that the children of Israel, a whole generation, died off and they never made it into the promised land. They played it safe and they missed out on God's best. And there are a lot of people who play it safe and they miss out on all that God has for them because playing it safe is risky. What I want to do today is I want to give you three reasons people play it safe. Three reasons people play it safe. Three reasons churches play it safe. Number one is this. You can follow along with me in your bulletin. There's a place for you to fill in the blanks and I encourage you to take some notes today as the Lord speaks to you through this message. Number one is this. They live by fear. They live by fear. Fear. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. We're 
going to be there for uh, in the book of Numbers for the majority of our time together. Numbers 13, verse number 27. The scripture says this. They gave Moses this account. Now, let me explain what's going on here. The children of Israel, before they were going to take the promised land, they sent 12 spies, 12 leaders, one from each tribe. And they went and they spied out the promised land. And their job was to check out the land and to bring back a report. And so they were bringing this report back to Moses and the Israelites. And the Bible says they gave Moses this account regarding the promised land. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. It's a good land. Matter of fact, we've got an example of it. Here is its fruit. Verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful. Everybody say, but. That's where a lot of Christians live. God wants to use us, but. God wants to take us into the promised land, but. God wants to pour out his spirit and touch our city. But, and these people said, but the people who lived there are powerful and their hearts were gripped with fear. And friends, hear me. Fear caused the children of Israel to miss out on the promised land that God had for them. They began to live by fear, fear of the giants, fear of the people, and it kept them from God's best. They didn't want to risk it all because of fear. They wanted to play it safe because of fear. They didn't want to follow the leading, leading of God because of fear. And playing it safe was risky. And they missed out on God's best. And there are many of God's people even today that are just like the children of Israel. If they're not careful, they're going to miss out on God's best because they're playing it safe. They don't want to risk it for the kingdom of God. I mean, you may know some of those faith folks. You may be one of those folks. You know, people say all the time, you know, I... I really want the Lord to use me, but they have so much fear. I want God to use me, but have you seen the economy lately? <laughs> economy may crash. But, you, you know, that there are people that say, I want to leave a legacy, Pastor. Pastor, I want to do something so huge for the kingdom of God. It just leaves eternal ramifications. I want to leave a legacy. I want God to use me in a powerful way. But have you checked out the stock market lately? Have you seen gas prices lately? How many of you remember where you could fill up your gas for 98 cents a gallon? Oh, I felt Jesus right there. Lord, you hear me. I mean, uh, you can't buy a pack of bubble gum now for 98 cents. I'm telling you something. And people live by fear. And, and you know, I would do something great for God, but the fear of the unknown. I call those people what-if people. I mean, our, our world and even churches are full of what-if people. I would do something great for God, but what if this happened? And I would step out in faith, but, but what if this happened? And I would do this for God, but what if? And I would take the promised land, but what if? And they miss out on God's best. Hear me today. Some of you in this place, every decision you make is driven and rooted in fear. You don't even realize it. Every time you get ready to make a decision, it's fear-based. And here's what I want you to understand. If you're living your life by fear, if every decision you make is driven and rooted in fear, you're not in the will of God. You are not in the will of God. Matter of fact, the scripture declares in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7, For God has not given us a 
spirit of fear, that fear that's gripped your life. I'm afraid to do this. I will step out in faith. I will, I will do something great for God. But if what? Economy, crash, uh, the gas bars, and what? And you're driven by fear. And that spirit is not the spirit of God. That is not the Lord speaking to you and leading you, that you're driven by the spirit of fear. Because here's, here's what the Bible says about God's spirit. But of, we're supposed to have a spirit of power. Are there any folks that have some power in this place? Well, I'm not real convinced by that. I'm going to tell you what. Are there, are there any folks that got some power in this place that you're living by the power of the Holy Spirit? You're driven by the power of God and not by fear of the Spirit of God. Listen, of power and of love and of a sound mind. And many people are driven by fear instead of by faith. And here's what I want you to know as the pastor of this church. I want you to know that this church is not going to be driven by fear. We're going to be driven by faith. We're going to be people of faith. God's called us to walk by faith, to live by faith. And friends, listen to me. We're, going to, we're not going to play it safe. We're going to risk it all. We're going all in to see more people who are far away from God experience God's love, God's grace, and God's mercy. We're not playing it safe. Matter of fact, we started this church by risking it all. We risked, it, we risked everything. None of our staff who started this church is from Oklahoma City. I'm from a little town called Ewoka, Oklahoma. Some of you probably know where it is by now because I talk about it so much. And, and boy, I tell you, coming to, we called it the city in Ewoka. I mean, we get to come to the city. I mean, Oklahoma, it was called the city. And we come to the city every once in a while. And we come to the city, and boy, I tell you, we thought we were something. We got to go to Crossroads Mall. I didn't know there was any other mall in Oklahoma City. I didn't. Well, we got to come to Crossroads. Oh, boy, we thought it was big stuff when we got to go shopping after the mall. We went to Crest. Oh, I'm telling you something. Because in Wewoka, we shopped at Wewoka IGA. Anybody heard of IGA? That's where we shopped. I mean, we thought we were something coming to the city. My wife's not from here. She's from Wisconsin. Brian, our programming director, him and his wife, they're from Ponca City. And we moved here and we risked it all to start a church a little different. To reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor, surely some fat cat wrote you out a big check to start it. Oh, no. <laughs> and we came here and we risked it all. There was no organization, nobody underwriting this project. We stepped out of faith. Brian and his wife got a job. They worked side jobs. My wife had a job. I didn't take a salary from this church for a year. We risked it all. It was a step of faith. It was risky. But can I tell you, it was worth the risk. We look at what the Lord has done. Oh, we didn't start this church by fear. We started this church in faith. We, we were two years into this church, and we decided to buy this 50 acres and, and to launch a building campaign and build this facility that we're worshiping in today. And can I tell you, it was a major step of faith. It was risky. Most of the people who had been attending at that time had been here six months or less. And we're going to get up and we're going to raise money and ask people to give above their tithe to build, to build a new facility to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, fear could grip a, grip a preacher's life. You're wondering, this is going to really work? Are they really going to buy in? Are they going to really give? And can I tell you, there are people in this church worshiping here today. They bought into the vision and they went all in and they risked everything they had to see this place built. And can I tell you, it's been worth the risk every single week. And people have given their heart to Jesus Christ and lives have been transformed because people went all in and they risked it. And all I'm telling you now that we are a bigger church, 
and we own 50 acres and we got our a building and we run 1,600 plus people. I just want you to know as your pastor, we're not going to take it easy. We're not going to sit back and relax. Listen, we're going all in. I want you to know we're going to risk it all to continue to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not putting on cruise control and taking it easy. That's why we're launching the crazy campaign. That's why we're looking to expand and build another facility. We're risking it all to reach more people who are far away from God. We're going all in. We're going all in. We're not driven by fear. We're driven by faith. Matter of fact, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 7, we live by faith. Not by sight. But can I tell you, most people, even God's people, are driven by sight. Well, what's going on with the economy? How's the stock market doing? Have you seen them, them gas prices up again today, girl? And they're driven by sight. Fear is sight-driven. Faith is God-driven. And in this church is going to be driven by God, by faith, and not by fear. There's a, a second reason I want you to see, a second reason people play it safe. Number two is this, because of negative people. Negative people. You see, many of God's people play it safe because they are easily influenced by negative and pessimistic people. Now, you can't get away from negative people. They're everywhere. But the problem is when you're influenced by negative and pessimistic people. Listen, listening to, to and following negative people will keep you from the promised land. And the Israelites listened to ten negative leaders and they missed out on God's promised land. I don't want you to miss this because this is huge. Ten leaders. Ten leaders came back with a report. And those ten people influenced two million to ten people influence two million people to miss out on what God had for them. That's how powerful negative leadership can be. And a whole generation missed out on what God had because of ten negative people. Listen to what scripture says in Numbers chapter thirteen and verse number 31 about these negative men it says but the men who had gone up with him said i mean these weren't i mean if you think about this let me paint the picture we've got two million people and when you're going to try to pick out 12 leaders to go spy out the land i mean when you're trying to pick the leaders out who's going to go for the, for this mission you're picking out the best of the best i mean these weren't wimps matter of fact if you study each of those leaders names it was powerful they got powerful names they were powerful leaders they were picking the best man from each tribe i mean supposed to be leaders of leaders leading two million people they picked the best of the best and this is what they have to come back and say to the people but the men who had gone up with him said we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Verse 32, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Sound like some church folk I know. Always spreading a bad report. Listen, church, beware of people at your workplace always spreading a bad report. Beware of people, you know, your cousins and them. Always spreading a bad report. Beware of church folk. Always spreading a bad report. 
about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored, listen, I mean, these are leaders. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw, some people down there, and all of them, all the people we saw there are of great size. They said, we can't take that land. I mean, all those folks down there, they look like Shaquille O'Neal. They'll kill us. We saw the Nephilim there. And this cracks me up. Every time I read this, it cracks me up. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. I mean, listen to me. If I was going to have to compare myself to an insect, it wouldn't be no grasshopper. I mean, I'm at least going to be a tarantula. I mean, I'm going to be something good. I mean, a a grasshopper? I mean, (laughs) he said, man, there's Shaquille O'Neal down there, and we ain't nothing but a bunch of grasshoppers. There's no way we're going to take this land. And this is even funnier to me. The end of this verse says, and we looked the same to them. In other words, those people said that we looked like grasshoppers too. And, and the very interesting thing here is that they were spies in the land. Now understand, a spy, they weren't going out interviewing people. <laughs> they, were going there, they were going to conquer the land, so they were going to spy out the land and just to check out the land and, and, and to make sure that, that they could make, make this happen. It was a good land, a fruitful land. And all of a sudden when they get back, now they're telling the people, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and those folks think we are too. Well, when did you talk to them? I sound like some church folk, you know, you know. Well, they've been telling me. Well, who's they? Your cousins and them? Well, I've been hearing. Well, who you been hearing from? Your wife? Well, I'm preaching better than you letting on. Amen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're doing. I mean, they come back saying, you know, they've been telling us. We look like grasshoppers. That's what those folks are saying. <laughs> and they spread among the Israelites a bad Report and listen to the effect of these ten negative leaders. Numbers 14, verse 1 says, That night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled. I don't think we can do it. I think Moses lost his mind up there. I don't think we can take this land. Those people's crazy. They come back. They said there's a giant down there. They should kill O'Neill down there. I'm not going down there. You going down there? I'm not going. And all, two million people, because of ten men, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. I mean, listen to these people. (laughs) Or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to the land only to let us fall by the sword? That's not God's plan at all, Israel. Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. And this just, this blows my mind. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? I mean, you want to go back? You're looking to go backwards instead of forward? I mean, like some folks saying, well, Pastor, you know, I thank God for this land and building. We're going, but let's just go back to the AMC. At least we have popcorn there, Pastor. Let's go back there. And, ah! what, what are you saying? Go back. Here they are. Let's go back to Egypt. And listen to what they said. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Listen, you don't need a real good leader to go back to Egypt. <laughs> I mean, you don't need, you can get a whip to take you back. 
You need a leader that has vision. You need a leader that steps out in faith. You need a leader that will lead you into a place that you don't even realize that you can go. And here they are trying to crucify the leader and trying to go back to Egypt. They are missing it, and they're missing it because of ten negative leaders. You say, Pastor, are you preaching this message because we got problems at church? Oh, no, we don't have any problems. I'm a preventative preacher. Yeah, I preach before anything goes on. Amen. Because I know the great things that God has in store for this church. And I realized the power of negative leadership. It kept a whole nation from missing out on God's best. And as your pastor, here's what I commit to you. I'm committed to not follow and be influenced by negative, negative people. Now, I can't get away from them. They're everywhere. But I just smile at negative people. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Love you too. And I want to listen to wise counsel. I want wise counsel. But I refuse to be listened and being driven by negative and pessimistic people. Matter of fact, church, to be honest with you, we would have never started this church if I would have listened to negative people. People told me when we started this church in May of 2002, they said, Herbert, you're way too young to be starting a church. And I was young. I was 26 years old with a vision from God. That'll never work. <laughs> you're way too young. You need to get you some more experience. They said, Herbert, you know what? You've never been on at a church staff before. You've never even worked for a church before, and I hadn't. <laughs> Those are true statements. I've never worked at a church before. I've never been a senior pastor before. I've never even been on a church staff. I've never been a youth pastor before. So that'll never work. You don't have any experience. You don't have any credentials. That'll never work. And all I can tell you, it's been worth the risk. It's been, it's been worth the risk. It's been worth the risk. People told me when we got ready to buy this land, they said, Pastor, I think that's a bad move to buy that land at 50 acres that we are now worshiping. That's a bad move, Pastor. It won't work. Not a good location. I don't think people will come. I, don't, I just don't think it'll work. I think it's a bad move for the church. And in this land, we bought it for $550,000 about... Uh, Three years ago or so, we bought this land, $550,000, and the bank required us to get an appraisal on the piece of property, and so we got a realtor firm that does commercial, commercial realty, and they came in here, and they did the comps on this land and to let us know what it's worth, and that's what the bank wanted, and we bought this land for $550,000, and today uh, it appraises for $10 million. <laughs> I think, I think the Lord may have been, may have been in this. And you know what's driving up this property value? Because they put Starbucks on the corner. Oh, yeah. Starbucks does wonderful things for your business. Amen. I mean, I love me some Starbucks. Okay, probably not Starbucks, but I still like it on the corner here. And, and all I'm saying, church, is we're not going to be driven and led by negative people. We're going to be people of faith. We're going to be people that take risks to reach more people who are far away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank God. This church, you know what? This church is really full of positive, faith-filled people. And I commend you and I thank you for it. And if you happen to be a negative person, just fake it. Act like you're happy. Just, just fake it. Fake it for a while. Amen. You being yeah, yeah, yeah. Just look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor right now and go, shh. Hush up. Hush up. We're moving forward in Jesus' name. Point number three, there's a, a third reason people play it safe, a third reason. Number three is this, they have no confidence in God. Boy, that scares me. No confidence 
in God. Numbers 14 and verse number 11 says, The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me, treat me with contempt? And one translation says, Reject me. How long will my own people reject me? How long will they refuse to believe in me? They don't even believe in me. They don't even trust me. They don't even have confidence in me. In spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed among them, God says, After all I've done... They still don't believe me. I did miracles in front of Pharaoh, and they don't believe me. I parted the Red Sea, and they walked on dry ground, and they still don't believe me. They were thirsty, and I brought water from a rock, and they still don't believe me. They were hungry, and I rained down manna for heaven so they could eat, and they still don't believe in me. God, help us to never be this church. After all that you've done, surely we trust you. Surely we've got confidence in you. And I love Caleb and Joshua. The, these were two of the 12 spies, but these were the two leaders that were full of faith. These were the two leaders that were full of confidence in God's ability. And Numbers 14, chapter 8 says, if the Lord is pleased with us, if God is pleased, if we honor God, if we don't reject God, if we trust God and lean hard on God, he will lead us into that land. And a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, God's plan for us is not to hurt us or harm us. We can trust him. We can be confident in him because he's taking us to a good land. And he will give it to us. Verse 9 says, only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land. Don't be driven by fear, Israel. Because we will swallow them up. I like Caleb and Joshua. We're going to eat their lunch. We're going to swallow them up because their protection is gone. And and, and listen, they didn't say we're going to take the land and swallow them up because they were so good. Because they were so smart. Because they were so wise. Because they were so strong. He said, no, 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 no. The reason we're going to swallow them up, notice this, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. The Lord is with us. In church... I don't understand it all, but I know and I'm confident of this. The Lord is with us. They said when we started this church when I was 26 years old, you're going to start a diverse church in a movie theater where the devil lives, it'll never work. That church will never run more than 100 people. But, but the Lord was with us. So, well, you know, I know, you know, most churches, you know, 80, 90% of churches are 100 and less, and, and very few churches make it past the 200 mark. I don't know that you'll be able to do that. But the Lord was with us. Bob, that 50 acres off the risky. You don't got much money in the bank. These people ain't been with you very long. But the Lord was with us. I don't know if that church will ever run 500 people. I don't know. But the Lord was with us. See, you may not like everything about this church, but you can't deny. But the Lord is with us. So this church, this church will never run a thousand people. It'll never do it. It'll never run a thousand people. And it grew to 700, 800, 900, 1,000. The Lord was with us. I mean, you're going to try to build a second facility you ain't even been in the one you've been in in not even two years yet. The Lord is with us. 
Today we read over 1,600 people. Every weekend lives are being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Let me say this to your church. There is no man intelligent enough. There's no human being wise enough, smart enough, strong enough to manufacture what God has done in this church in five years. There's no man. Matter of fact, if I was that good, I'd tell you I was that good. But I'm not. The Lord. The Lord is with us. We're moving forward in faith. The dream is so alive in my heart. I'm filled with vision today. Friends, I want you to know that your pastor has a dream. To see a church with worldwide influence. A church so large in size that cities and nations are impacted by its ministries. A church growing so quickly that buildings struggle to contain the increase. I have a dream to see a church where there is a diversity of culture, ages, and economic backgrounds worshiping the King of Kings. I have a dream to see a church that always has heartfelt praise and worship and touches heaven and changes earth with worship that exalts. Jesus Christ through powerful songs of faith and hope. I have a dream to see a church that is so dependent on the Holy Spirit that nothing will stop it nor stand against it. A church whose people are unified, praying, and full of the Holy Spirit. I have a dream to see a church through the power of His Word that that, that, that lives are changed forever. I have a dream to see a church so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations into a love and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. I have a dream that people are so kingdom-minded that they count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep the Oklahoma City metro and the entire world. I have a dream to see a church so committed to raising, training, and empowering a leadership generation to reap the end-time harvest that all of its ministries are consumed with this goal. I have a dream to see a church Whose head is Jesus? Whose help is the Holy Spirit? Whose focus is the Great Commission? And with God's help, that church will be our church. People's church. I have a dream. And all I'm telling you, church, as your pastor, I'm going all in. I'm risking it all. I'm not playing it safe. People are dying and going to hell. And the only answer is Jesus Christ. And all I'm asking you, church, is would you go all in? Would you go all in? Lord, I thank you for your word.